Hello and welcome to the Hot Rod Bible Study where tonight we are doing our first live remote. Of course you might recognize things around here, it isn't all that, that a big deal, but the intent is throughout the, out the year, if I'm out of town someplace, we're going to do live remote there. Our first one is scheduled for, I think, June the 18th. We're going to be in Frostbite Falls, uh, Montana, actually Columbia Falls, Montana. Uh, hope to, hope to, hope, hope to, hope to, hope to do a, uh, a remote from Bonneville Speed Week. If we can get that put together, that'd be kind of fun. So this is neat. It's good to see some, some uh, familiar faces, some friends that... The only, thing, the only thing bad about getting out of California is leaving friends behind. But you know what? There is just a little more traffic around here than there is in Chino Valley, Arizona. But tonight, that's, that's all that. Uh, tonight we are in 1 Timothy chapter 5, and if you would join me in prayer, that'd be wonderful. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for this beautiful day that you have provided. We thank you for the Word that you have provided. We thank you for the opportunity to study your Word. So, Lord, we pray that you uh, open our hearts and minds to your Word. And once again, Lord, please keep me out of the way. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now, 1 Timothy chapter 5. Uh, this is under uh, the heading of treatment of church members. So it's trying to, our, uh, again, our hero Paul is telling his apprentice, hey, you know, uh, this is the things that, this is the way you ought operate a church. Um, fun thing with myself. Uh, working with the guys at the Packenhouse Church in Redlands, that's the thing that Pastor Ed does. He prepares all the other guys there say, now, this is what you got to be sure to do when you have a church. You know, they, these things come up. So be, you know, be prepared is the whole idea. So here we are, again, chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Do not rebuke an older man. But exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, with all purity. Honor widows who really are widows. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and repay their parents. For this is, a good, and, this is good and acceptable before God. Now she who is really a widow and left alone trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers day and night. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And these things command that they may not be blameless. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, and not unless she has been the wife of one man, well reported for good works. If she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. But refuse the younger widows, for they have begun to grow wanton against Christ. They desire to marry. 
having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things that they ought not. Therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the the adversary to speak reproachfully. For some have already turned aside for Satan. If any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them, and do not let the church be burdened, that it may relieve those who really, who are really widows. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of a double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worth his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all, that the rest also may fear. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Some men's sins are cleverly, or pardon me, clearly evident, preceding them to judgment, but those of some men follow later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident, and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. That's where we're going to stop for the evening. Again, we have Paul uh, writing this letter uh, to help out his uh, apprentice to understand how he ought to be acting. You know, remember... Timothy is considered a young man, somewhere between 35 and 40, and that um, he needs to have, this is his first church. This is his first call. So here he is, and Paul wants to make sure that things go well. Okay, so it starts off in verse 1. Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, Older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity. Okay, do not rebuke an older man. Don't lash out or be harsh with them or impatient with them. Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 32, 1932. I was going to say Leviticus, deuce, for all you hot rodders. That's what it is. It says, you shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man. And fear your God. I am the Lord. Okay. Don't rebuke. Don't lash out at somebody. And again, this is treatment of church members. Which also should be treatment of everybody else, not just church members. Okay. But exhort him. Build him up as a father. Okay. Younger men as brothers. Now, I have an older brother. Much older than I am. Uh, anyway, uh, we shared a room growing up, like a lot of kids 
from my generation, he and I shared a room, and he put up with his little brother going through all his stuff. And he had some neat stuff to go through. And, you know, I think, treat him as, a, as you would your brother. Well, there are times when he made me say uncle more than once, and rightfully so. I was a little, as my mom would describe, I was a pill, you know, so... You think, boy, treating them like brothers, I don't know, that's a really good idea because, you know, brothers do this kind of stuff at times. Now, my brother is a God-fearing, uh, wonderful man uh, that I am proud to say is my brother. And he really is here too. well, he, Paul really is here to say, hey, I have a bunch of brothers down here right now. So you treat them that way. Okay, you treat the younger guys like, like, hey, you know, you need it, hand, I'm right there. Or vice versa type of thing. Treat them as a brother. Older women as mothers. My mom died, uh, she didn't hang out too long. She died somewhat young. And I was involved in a church where there's a lot of Older folks. As a matter of fact, the running joke was the median age at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Ukaipa, California was 100. <laughs> right, you know? A lot of, in a lot of people from the World War II generation, and I just love those folks. And there was this one lady, Lisa Witt, and her last name really just was descriptive. Okay, she, she had wit. She had a good sense of humor. A lot of fun. Old German lady. And we took this trip, the bunch of us from that church took this trip to the Holy Land. Yes, Germany. <laughs> you know, to Oberammergau where they have the passion play. Anyway, we're on this bus and Lisa's always kidding me and I'm kidding her and I started calling her mom and she started calling me son. And it was just a lot of fun, you know. And she'd call up the house after and say, it's your mother, you know. <laughs> but that's it. Treat the older women as mothers with the respect that they are due. And then it goes on, this is the next one. Treat younger women as sisters with all purity, pure and above reproach. What he's saying is, don't be a lecherous old coot. We all know those. Gosh, you see these guys? Well, even younger than me, which still doesn't make you young, Hitting on these young gals, and I think, yeah, drives me out of my mind. You know, this is, and especially, again, what's this under the heading of? The treatment of church members. This is the way things should be, right? With respect. He goes on to say now, honor widows who are really widows. Hmm. So, who are by themselves, without support, and you should give them financial support, in an honorable and dignified way. You know, don't make them grovel for it or anything like that. But he goes on to say more about this. Says, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home to repay their parents for this is good and acceptable before God. Fourth commandment, right? Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and you may live long on the earth. Exodus 20, verse 12, right? So that's what we're called. And this is, again, this is the first commandment given that says, okay, do this, get that, right? Okay, so he's going on about how you should do this take and honor your parents. The note I have on that is the 
Christian who falls below the best heathen standard of family affection is more blameworthy since he has what the heathen has not, the supreme example of love in Jesus Christ. And we may also add that Jesus himself gave an example of providing for one's own when he provided a home for his mother with a beloved disciple. Okay, if you're not familiar with that, Jesus is on the cross being crucified. So in John 19, verse 25, starting there, says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour that disciple took her into his own home. Of course, John is writing about himself. Okay. There is the example. You got a widow with no support, anything like that. Help him out. But then he goes on to say, Now she who is really a widow and left alone trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. Okay? Which is what... You know, I, again, I want to say that that's what Lisa did. She was taken care of. She didn't need somebody else to take care of her. Her husband let her, left her doing okay. Uh, but continually in prayer. You know, and what an example. What an example. And with thanksgiving. Okay. Goes on to say in verse 6, though, but she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. In other words, if, if, if you got a gal who is being foolish with her finances, going out and partying and doing all this stuff, and calls up trying to scam the church, playing on heartstrings, don't let it happen. Because there are people who truly need help. And you need to not be taken in by those who scam. Uh, one of the uh, commentaries I was reading, the pastor talked about a guy calling up on the phone, giving this story and how he needs help you know, in Christian love. Pastor goes over to the guy's house, goes in the house, the house is filthy, there's porn on the television, and right over there's a yellow, the yellow pages with all the churches. And the guy's just going down scamming the whole thing. People do this. You know, they talk about churches scamming people. You know, you, you, you see that. You, you know, oh, these pastors, they're making money hand over fist. Not the pastors I know. Oh, these churches, they're just grabbing all this money just to have all these big edifices. Not the churches that I'm part of. But there are people that do this thing to churches. You know, it, it, it works both ways. Yeah, are there, are there churches that scam people? Absolutely. Absolutely. We've seen them. We've seen this stuff. And they get, boy, they get more ink than the churches that don't. Right? They get more ink than the churches that help people out or the ones that are messing up. Okay. But people are people. We're all sinners. Right? We're, we were born in sin and in sin did our mothers conceive us. 
Anyone who says he is without sin is a liar. Okay, makes, makes God out to be a liar, as it says in John. Okay, don't be scammed is what he's saying here. Okay, verse 7, it says, And these things command, teach, that they may be blameless. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Mark chapter 7. Uh, if I can get my fingers to work. Mark chapter 7, 9 through 13. These are the words of Jesus. It says, he said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, okay, he's talking to the Pharisees, but you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban, which is a gift from God, right? then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother, making the word of God no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. Once again, Jesus is calling out the religious establishment, saying, uh, you guys are messing up here. But that's what they would do. Oh, you know, I, I'm, you know that, that 20 bucks I was going to give you for food this week? No, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it to the church instead. Don't do it. Don't do it. Verse 9, do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number. Put on the list. And not unless she has been the wife of one man, well reported for good works, if she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. Widow under 60, what Paul is saying here, that they should be able to support themselves, remarry, okay? Recognize the, the um, culture in which they were, but it, it, it applies today as well, okay? They, they should be able to take care of themselves because they're still, still, still doing pretty well, okay? And it says, uh, reported for good works. You know, people, again, he's just trying to keep our buddy Timothy from getting scammed. And this is the, the whole thing. And it, says, and it gives us example again. Reported for good works. Brought up children. Lodged strangers. You know, letting strangers in the household. Wash the saints' feet. Relieve the afflicted. And has diligently followed every good work. Okay, here we go again. We're going into the book of Acts. Yes, we are. If I can get to my bookmark. We're going to Acts chapter 9. There it goes. You know, these, these uh, stands for your Bible are really good, but the angle just wrong. I probably ought to lay it flatter. Easier to read this way, but all my bookmarks fall out. Okay, Acts chapter 9, starting the 36th verse. And this, this is an example of somebody like Paul is talking about. This is Dorcas. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named 
Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds that she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. They washed her, laid her in the upper room, and since Lydia was, and since Lydia, Lydia, pardon me, Lydia was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that what that Peter was there. Easy for me to say, right? They sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. When Peter arose, he went with them, and when he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him, weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with him. But Peter put them out, knelt down and prayed, and turned to the body and said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Okay. This Tabitha or Dorcas is the example that Paul is, wants to use, well, would be using for this sort of a widow that has done these things. And if she has difficulties, well, <laughs> she died. I asked about, and Peter went over there and was able through the Lord to take care of that. Verse 11 says, But refuse the younger widows. Don't put them on the list. For when they have begun to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry. The, the ESV puts it this way, For their passions draw them away from Christ. Okay, But he goes on to say, Having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith, abandoned their faith. And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies saying things they ought not. Hmm. You know, I always just, back in, when I was a kid, my mother would have somebody over for coffee, right? Or her mom would go over somebody for coffee. I never got to sit around and listen to what they had to say, but I'm not so certain that it wasn't gossip. Anyway, David Guzik puts it this way, those who spend much of their time talking about the lies of others need to get a life of their own. Okay, verse 14. Therefore I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the, to the adversary to speak reproachfully. This is a description of somebody that would be known as the Proverbs 31 woman. I'm not going to go there. not going to preach on that right now. But if you desire to know more about it, read. Proverbs 31, and it talks about the virtues of a godly woman. Okay? This is what, what Paul is describing. Okay, goes on to say, uh, For some have already turned aside after Satan. Here's the next note on that. Chuck Mitzler says, Satan is always alert to an opportunity to invade and destroy 
a Christian home. And that's really true. And he goes on to say, he says, anyone doesn't believe, then Satan ought to try opposing him. And I like that. For those of us who have given our lives to the Lord, you will, you will suffer through spiritual warfare. It's that simple. Because Satan doesn't want you to be doing this. Satan doesn't much, he doesn't want this Bible study to happen. And he'll do everything that he can to throw a monkey wrench into the thing. Be prepared. One more time. Be prepared. Okay. Verse 16. If any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them, and do not let the church be burdened, that it may relieve those who are really widows. I put this down. In conclusion, the church is to help those who are truly in need and not to waste the resources of the church. And this is what Paul is trying to make his point here. He says, okay, I, we all at one time or another have been scammed. You know, we all have been scammed at one time or another, given money to somebody and come to find out. Well, here's the example. One of my many... Uh, escapades in my 55 Chevy left me stranded on the north end of Las Vegas after it lost a distributor. Okay. So I'm waiting on my friend to come up from Riverside to tow me. And while I'm sitting there, here comes this guy and his wife and kids and they give me this big long story about how the mother-in-law's across the street in a restaurant and they could really use the help so I gave him 20 bucks. And I go walking off. Well, I'm there about five hours waiting for my buddy to come get me. And they come back through again and start playing the same thing. And I said, well, wait a minute. <laughs> you must not have a very good memory because you hit me this morning. And <laughs> God bless you, but uh, we're not going to go down this road. I guess the idea, too... My friend Mike Gordon's here, and he was talking about how there was a bunch of, I call them zombos, down by uh, the Home Depot and kind of panhandling. And he says, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go into McDonald's here and I'll buy you a bunch of food. And as he was leaving, Mike said he looked up in the rearview mirror and here this guy was handing food out to other people. How do you know? You do what you can. And we'll leave it at that. Okay, now, here's the other thing. Honor the elders. Huh, see, I'm... <laughs> With the exception of one guy down here, we all have gray hair. Okay. <laughs> it says, let the elders, leaders of the church, who rule well, be counted worthy of a double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine, especially pastors. A double honor. You know what he's referring to here? Is financial compensation. Now, again, guys I know who do this are not in it for the money. But they do have to eat. You know? So that's the idea here. And of course, you've heard of it You've, this is where we get the word honorarium, right? All of us here have had to pay an honor. Well, it's customary to pay an honorarium for the, the pastor who is officiating at a funeral, for instance, or at a wedding. 
something like that, it's customary to pay an honorarium. Well, kind of what Paul is referring to here, be sure and not just kick them to the curb. Okay, next. Verse 18 says, and this is the reason that we got this, we got scriptural reason. Isn't that nice? It's just good where Paul says right here, it says, it's for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, which is Deuteronomy 25, verse 4. In other words, you're, you can't hold somebody back while they're doing good work. And the laborer is worthy of his wages, which is Luke 10, verse 7, the words of Jesus. Okay, now did Jesus go out and make a ton of money preaching the word, you know, preaching the, saying, you know, helping everybody out? No. No. What's that? Yeah. Well, Paul, Paul, Paul supported, that's exactly right. Mitch down here pointed out that Paul supported himself. He was a tent maker, and he said, hey, we stayed here. Remember, we stayed here, and we did it all. We didn't ask for a nickel because we didn't want to be a burden on anybody. Right? But then he also received from others as well. Okay. There we go. Now. Verse 19 says, Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. So you can determine between truth and our favorite word of the week, gossip. Because people will do that and they'll say something. Okay, you've got to have two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all so the rest may fear. Okay. Make sure the facts. Okay, Timothy, make sure the facts. And then when you have it, have everything out above board. So there's nothing done in secret. Have a note on this, too. This is from Charles Spurgeon, where it says, he advised in his lectures to my students that when people come to a pastor with gossip, he should say, well, all this is very important. And I need to give it my full attention. But my memory isn't so good, and I have a lot to think about. Could you write it down for me? Spurgeon says that this will take care of it because most of the time they don't want to write down gossip. They don't want to have in writing that they did this. Uh, but conversely, Middle Ages, the church protected its corrupt bishops of accusations by doing what? You'll like this, requiring 72 witnesses. If you don't have 72 witnesses, obviously that illegitimate child isn't from the priest. Hmm. They brought for yeah, they brought forth to forth to confirm any accusation against a bishop. Ah, men mess things up royally, don't they? Don't we just mess things up, you know? Ah, let's make a new rule and make it so with that, we can let all of our buddies get off of here. Okay. Then he goes on to say, uh, in verse 21, I charge you before God and the Lord Christ, Jesus Christ, and the elect angels, the chosen angels, that you should observe these things without prejudice and doing nothing with partiality. I think that's fairly succinct. I think Paul is being real clear on this. 
He's not pussyfooting around. This is, I'm charging you to do this. I'm telling you that this is the way you ought to do this. Verse 22, it says, Do not lay hands on anyone hastily. They should prove themselves before they are commissioned as pastors or leaders of the church. Just as, you know, he mentioned this back in chapter 3. For those of you who've been carrying on with the, the uh, uh, how do I want to say, the, the, all the episodes that we have of 1 Timothy back in chapter 3, Paul said they need the two need to prove themselves okay and then it goes on to say nor share in other people's sins keep yourself pure does that mean you shouldn't hang around sinners well i hope not because i shouldn't be doing anything then because <laughs> i shouldn't hang around with me no what he's talking about here is you don't You don't show approval of a sinful lifestyle under the auspices of tolerance. We go back to 1 Corinthians. Paul's writing to the Corinthians and boy, you know, I think you guys are doing a good job. Problem is, you're so tolerant, everybody, that you got a guy in leadership who is openly fooling around with his father's wife. You need to not have him in leadership. Right? Bounce the guy. They did. The guy confesses his sin and he repents, turns around. Then they wouldn't let him back in the church. So Paul has to ride back and say, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> it's grace. The guy repented. Let him back in. Okay. Don't go hanging out. <sighs> Don't go doing stuff that you know you ought not do under the auspices of being tolerant or under the auspices of saying, well, I'm going to share the gospel here. I'm going to go, I'm going to go into the, never mind. I just let the thought go by. I don't need to go down that road. Okay, verse 23. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. More than likely, Tim the uh, Apprentice has been doing a good job of setting a good example by not drinking anything. Okay. Problem is, it's probably at that time the water where he was wasn't all that good. And he was getting sick. So, so here's Paul saying, oh, come on. Good friend of mine was, uh, came out, actually came all the way from Forest Falls to Chino Valley this past, last Thursday. And we were talk, just talking about this. He went on a business trip to China. He and a friend went on this business trip to China and they both got diarrhea so bad they about, you know, they, they lost 15, 15 pounds each. You know, this is a pretty sizable amount. Not a good way to lose weight. Next time they go over there, he brings along, he says, I brought along a bottle of Patron. And he says, and I took a shot before we had dinner. And he says, never got sick because it killed all that bacteria. What it is, this is what Paul's doing. Does, Paul's, does, does it say anywhere in the Bible, thou shalt not drink? No, it says just don't be a drunkard. Without 
Bingo. Yeah, that's right. Just no excess. Don't be a drunkard. Ugh. Okay, but here he is. It's, I think it was really good advice for Timothy because I'm sure his frequent infirmities, he's getting good medicinal advice. Okay, verse 24. Some men's sins are clearly evident. They're open. You can see that they're doing this. Preceding them to judgment but those of some men follow later the hidden sins and remember we have all sinned and actually today i think it's easier to hide sins than ever before especially the sin of pornography pardon me pornography used to be that guys would be turned to go into the they didn't want to go to the dirty bookstore because they maybe somebody would see them and it might deter them from doing it now you pick up your handy dandy smartphone and they said I heard a, a deal the other night says that one out of every 10 people in the United States have a problem with pornography that's a large group that's a large group and it's easy to do that okay hidden sin don't if people will show you know you, people you can see when they're out sinning as he said some men's sins are clearly evident preceding them to judgment but those of some follow later you're all we're all getting judged we all get judged verse 25 says likewise the good works of some are clearly evident and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden the uh, NIV puts it this way in the same way good deeds are obvious and even those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden forever. Okay, the, the, the news will get out of it. Uh, I've probably used this illustration before. It's kind of fun. Uh, God has allowed me to experience a lot of things and allowed me also to come from a family of storytellers so I don't have to go very far for illustrations. Okay, in this fact, uh, I was in junior high school and my dad says, come on, Willie, we're going down to church after, after supper one night. Huh? Okay, went down there. And what we did is we set up the quilting boards for the ladies' quilting deal the following day. We went down there and did it. And we did this pretty much throughout the summer. And the ladies were just so appreciative, they didn't know who was doing it. And this was, this was my dad's idea. He didn't want anybody to know who was doing it. Well, we're leaving the church one night, and a guy shows up, and what does he do? He ends up thinking on us, you know, and so we get this wonderful glowing card from the ladies thanking us and thanking my dad and his wonderful son. Yeah, 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 they knew who they were. Yeah, well, anyway. And you know what? The guy says, oh, now we need to, you know, we need, we can get more people to do this. We can, we get a schedule for this, and you get this guy to do it next week and all this. Pretty soon, we weren't doing it anymore because that's not why my dad did it. He didn't do it to receive accolades. He did it to bless those gals there. And that was a lesson for me. And that you see on people, you see those who do stuff behind the scenes and they don't want any sort of recognition, but it catches up with them. It catches up with them. All right, so again, we just went through another one of... Uh, Paul's letters, it's great. Because again, Paul wanted to go to Ephesus and talk to Timothy face to face. God had other plans. And so we, 
through God's plans, have this letter that tells us how we ought to do things. Okay, and we've got a couple of them. So we are blessed, again, that we have these scriptures. People back didn't necessarily have this blessing of all these scriptures in front of us. We get to study this. What a great thing. All right, I have to close in my now standard, uh, how do I want to say, um, uh, well, before the benediction, I got, I, you know, I've got, I'm, I'm just really, I'm, this getting old and forgettery stuff is kind of tough. Uh, but my standard habit right now is just to say, and I've already got them coming, is uh, any questions, comments, or smart aleck remarks? Good, seeing there are none. And again, I want to war I warn, I want, <laughs> yikes. I want to encourage anybody watching out there that if you have any questions and comments or smart aleck remarks, put them right there on Faceplant. If there's something that you don't want everybody else to know that you had to say about this, you can contact me through info at hotrodbiblestudy.com and I'll be happy to talk with you and maybe even hear a smart aleck remark or two and that'd be okay. So with that, we'll, we will close with a benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Amen. See you next week.